guys today are Babies for Cigarette, Emma. Hello. Mr. One, two, no gun for you, Drew. Hey, hey. Pogo shtick, Natalie. Sup? Oh, she's a jiggler. Ian. Hi, everybody. And the aggressive tooth fairy, me, the amazing Chris Godby. Very nice. And hello, and welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a loop on the third podcast, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all of the animated and live-action entries of the Loop on the Third franchise in, mostly, chronological order. Today, we're briefly stepping away from part one to talk about the newest entry in the Loop on the Third franchise, an entry that just so happens to not only be a love letter to part one, but Monkey Punch's manga itself. That's right, we're talking about the first three episodes of the miniseries Loop on Zero. And joining us today is a very special returning guest, actually, the most exciting person we could have on to talk about the series, I might add. You may know him as Zoid9000 on Twitter, the English translator and localizer for not only Lupin Zero, but a number of awesome series. Oh, and an all-around sweet and awesome fellow, Ian. It's nice to have you back on the show, Ian. Aw, shucks, Drew, you're making me blush over here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm very excited to be back and chat with you guys about this awesome show. I'm glad you're back. Uh, same here. Same here. It's so nice to have you back on. Yes, nice to meet you, too. Yes, it is nice to meet you. <laughs> but Emma wasn't here last time I was here. No. But I am familiar with Emma because I can, I've been listening to other episodes that I have been <laughs> <on>. <laughs> I just, like, dropped there for a second. I'm familiar with Emma. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what have you heard? <laughs> Yes, I have heard of this Emma and her, and her escapades and how when um, P38 plays, it reminds her of the time when she is in a bender. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're the one that talked about Pam Margera's ass. <laughs> did, did we have to bring that up again? Yeah. Yes. Important. It's very important. Oh my. So, tonight... We are diving straight into Lupin Zero, and uh, we'll go through a bit of the crew here. So Lupin Zero is directed by Daisuke Sako, whose previous work in the Lupin franchise includes key animation for the the uh, <clears throat> the Detective Conan crossover film, Part 4, The Italian Game, Goemon's Blood Spray, and Part 5. They also served as an animation director on Part 4 in The Italian Game, and on Part 5, Sako also wrote episode 6, storyboarded episodes 1, 3, and 6, served as animation director on episode 22, chief animation director for episodes 23 and 24, and assistant director and eye-catch animator on episodes 9, 21, and 22. So, very impressive resume there. And a series composition is by Ichiro Okuichi, who previously held the same credit on part 5, along with 14 uh, scripts for episodes in that series. The character designs are by Asami Taguchi, who previously served as character design assistant and key animator on Part 4 and the Italian game, in-between animation for Jigen's Gravestone, key animation on Goemon's Blood Spray, and Part 5. Now, and also in Part 5, they served as an animation director on Episodes 22 and 24, and assistant animation director on Episode 12. The music is composed by Yoshihide Otomo, who uh, recently worked on the soundtrack to the film Inuo, and uh, along with his original compositions, Otomo is largely working working from Takeo Yamashita's soundtrack to Lupin the Third Part One, which I'll, we'll get more into that. But 
that is a detail that makes me so happy. Um, uh, and also, of course, the series is translated and localized by none other than Ian here. Yay! So, Yay! I'm go ahead Yay. and say in advance. Awesome work. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Can I just like say when they announced that they were Lupin Zero and you announced on your Twitter that you would be working on it, I was like, fuck. I was like, probably like doing cartwheels in the parking Same. lot. Um, I don't do cartwheels. I'm not a gymnast. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I was like, yes. It was super exciting for me too, because I, I had no idea this was coming. And so I was like kind of sad when part six was over because I was like, man, I want to do more. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's anywhere else, but uh, on High Dive, if you watch part three, when that comes out, I got to do the next episode previews because for some reason we didn't have subtitles for those. So I was like, oh. oh, cool, I got to do a little bit more Lupin. And then they were like, hey, here's this thing. And I had no idea what it was. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And so I was really excited when it got announced so I could be like, hey, it's me. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also um my roommates they've been watching uh, um Urusei Yatsura yes. so I've been like oh I I've talked to the person who's currently translating it right now <laughs> I was actually going to comment on that because I have not spoken to Ian yet uh, aside from him knowing me unfortunately uh no <laughs> um I, like so I I haven't really gotten my chance to like gush about the uh work on this uh your translation there's a lot i really do like about part six and there's a lot that i don't really care for on part six your translation is probably one of the highlights actually is one of the highlights Um, i will concur the characterization that you've put into all five is just sublime Mm -hmm. um it's everything like (laughs) <laughs> how I would hope that they would be portrayed. Uh, I part, like I think I commented on episode two. I really like, in particular, you, you almost made Fujiko more of a potty mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I really appreciate. I was like, I kind mm-hmm. of feel like she does have a secret potty mouth mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. on her rep. So I and everyone like would think that it's more like Jigen, which absolutely, but no one really thinks the Fujiko would have that. But I definitely <laughs> think she would. So was very excited to uh, hear you come back for this. And also, yeah, mm-hmm. I just binge watched all current eleven episodes of Yurisei Yatsura. Oh, awesome! Um, loved it. Um, I really liked the original series. Uh, mm-hmm. I was one of those that was really thrilled. Uh, not like yelling in the crowd, thrilled at Otakon when they uh, announced, right, when they announced it. it. I saw that video. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> when they announced it, um, but just uh, I watched all the 2022 and very much enjoyed it. The translation uh, had me laughing out loud several times. I mean, it's a series mm-hmm. that calls for that yes. anyway. Yes, that is uh, the very, goal. Very comical series, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. definitely nailed it on that. So. Uh, yeah, very happy that you came back to do this. Uh, Zero mm. is great, and we'll get into that more, but I, your translation really adds to it. All I can say is thank you. I'm so thrilled to hear that. Um, <laughs> I definitely, like, Urusei Yatsura is interesting because it's kind of similar to Lupin for me in the sense that I didn't see the original. I haven't actually seen all of part one, so there is pieces of these lore and these characters that I'm kind of missing out on, so 
I'm kind of working from my own experiences and I'm glad it kind of comes through in a way that mm. you all think is good and enjoyable. I definitely, especially when it comes to potty mouths, I'm, I, I do take that rather seriously. I try not to be, you know, <laughs> the stereotypical localizer. Ooh, they're putting all the swearing in. I tend to think about it like if the character is, you know, angry or irritated or if they're, you know, being funny. Sometimes yeah. you know, that sort of stuff, you need to put add your little pepper and your salt in there. So it is definitely one thing that I think hard about and take pride in when it works well. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, the the, the, the big thanks. I, I, I'm ashamed to admit I am seven episodes behind on Urasayatsura because I've the podcast has kind of sent me into overdrive recently, but I've now reached a stopping point. I'm going to try to catch up tomorrow. Finally, now awesome. I've gotten time to slow down. And Emma's also got me hyped up for it as well. <laughs> but the, the, I, the first three episodes I watched, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had me rolling with the translation in that. Yeah. I think I commented yesterday, like live look at me watching episode 10 of you and my seance. <laughs> like crying in the rain. <laughs> that show is really fun to work on just because every week is there's, it is so bonkers. So there's the only word I can use this right. It's bonkers. That's mm-hmm. actually the every... best word you can use, honestly. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. And it's very similar to Lupin too, in that a lot of characters oh, yeah. have a very, uh, I don't know, like a very, th- I don't know how to describe it, thick or deep personality that yes. is always the same and always carries through no matter what episode you're in. So it's not mm-hmm. just when, when I'm translating, it's always not just like, what are they saying, but how are they saying it? And yeah. So Anyway, I hope you enjoy your say answer when you get around to it, Drew. No, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm judging. I mean, going off a all of your work I've seen so far in the first three episodes, I, I think I'm I'm in for a good time. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, Ian. I remember uh, last time you mentioned to us that Jigen is your favorite character to write. Yes. Or, and uh, when I was watching the first episode of Lupin Zero, I like Jigen had some lines where it's like, I feel like if I didn't already know you were translating it, I probably would have nailed the peg you as writer for those, you know, for those lines just because you handled Jigen. You really have a uh, distinctive take on the character. Thank you. (laughs) I do have a question regarding that before we get into the roundtable. Obviously, your Mm -hmm. characterization hit the nail on the head for them as adults. Mm -hmm. How did you translate that to children? Basically, children. Uh, Like, (laughs) still keep their general personality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, well, part of it is obviously the Japanese script. I think they do a very good job at reflecting the personalities that they eventually will have down the road. And so a lot of it comes from that. Um, But in terms of how I approached Lupin Zero specifically, I did two things. One thing is I knew it was set in the 1960s-ish, so I kind of went out of my way to look for for words and phrases. Um, There's one, I think in episode two, I have Jigen say, Scuzzbugget. (laughs) Yes. Which was, which was something the etymology said it came that. from the 1960s. So I was like, sure, why not? It sounds like something he'd say to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking about people who are scuzzbuggets. So I was like, perfect. Um, <laughs> so a lot of translation is just that. Like you know what they're saying. It's just a question of how you say it. So I, I mm. you know, throw throw things to Google, do some research, you know, uh, and find what works. Um, in terms of how approaching them as children. Um, well, one thing I definitely decided to be a bit more proactive in was their potty mouths and kind of when they're angry or goofing around because I'm like, they're, they're kids. They don't really have like either, uh, I don't know, a filter per se yet. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not making them drop F-bombs everywhere, but 
uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think more about how they can, you know, say things, but also have that kind of more, chi- not necessarily childish, but teenage tone, I guess. And then also, I think, uh, again, a lot of it is in the Japanese script. I noticed one thing in particular is Young Lupin likes making noises and sound effects. And that <laughs> is probably been the most challenging thing about this is because sometimes it really works well in Japanese because they a lot of their language is based around sound and how things sound. So if he just says a sound, it makes sense. But in English, it doesn't It doesn't always come off as, as good. Um, so, for example, uh, in the when we were doing, you were doing introductions earlier, I noticed Mr. Uh, one, two, no gun for you. And I think in the <laughs> Japanese, I was just like, hoi, hoi, no hoi, or, you know, some very generic thing. But he was taking a gun away, so I was like, you know, one, two, no gun for you. That sounds good to me. You know, you got it. And it, it sounds like Lupin, right? Cause he's like mm-hmm. a fun, happy go lucky guy. Uh, it's a very serious situation when he's stealing someone's gun, but he's got to have fun with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one is, um, I think in episode one, well, I don't remember which episode it was, but, uh, he, he's got his little, his hand slips off. Um, mm-hmm. and I think he makes a sound to the effect of like in Japanese, it's just pop or, pop 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 or whatever and so i was like oh pop goes the weasel you know that's (laughs) so it's just like taking what sounds natural and making it also sound natural in english and sometimes you have to be very creative about that so those are the kind of things that go through my head when i work on it nice great (laughs) i'm gonna just say that now just like one one two no gun for you (laughs) yep 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 Alrighty, so before we hop into the uh, the roundtable uh, reviews for each of these, I'll go through the uh, the core cast right quick. So we have Tasuku Hatanaka as Lupin, Shunsuke Takauchi as Jigen, Sayori Hayami as Yoko, Toa Yukinari as Shinobu, Toshio Furukawa as Lupin the Second, and Yoshito Yasuhara as Lupin the First. Now we'll go into our roundtable discussions. Um, uh, Covering all three episodes, and that's episode one, Young Lupin Meets the Wolf. Episode two, Hang Tight to the Treasure on the Train. Episode three, The Grandson of the First Vies for Succession. So, Ian, how do you feel about these, uh, the, the, this little holy trinity of episodes here? Okay, well, um, obviously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by just saying I really love this. It's really great. It's awesome. Mm. Um, but I do want to say that when I first, when I first watched, sat down and watched episode one, I was a little, like, confused and mystified because when I had I didn't really know anything because when I first got the materials this was before anything had been really announced so I just knew that it was about a young Lupin uh, and so I was like in my head I kind of envisioned like you remember back in the 80s and 90s when we had cartoon like kid version of cartoon shows so you had like Muppet mm-hmm. Babies and Flintstones mm-hmm. Kids and Tiny Toons you know so I had kind of imagined like that sort of thing where everything was more childish. And so I, here I'm sitting down, I'm like, okay, so, you know, Jigen's going to walk out and instead of a gun, he's going to have a slingshot, right? He's going to be the school kid with the, the sharp aim. But no, in episode one, he just whips out a gun in the first five minutes and shoots it. And I was like, in my head, I was like, how is this any different from normal Lupin show that we're watching? Like, so for a while, I had this really weird, like, I don't understand why this was made. What are they doing? Why are they young, but still doing all the same shit? <laughs> <laughs> and so I think I think for me it was uh, like I knew it was awesome but I hadn't I couldn't really figure out what made it so good because it 
it seemed like all the same stuff, just in a different setting at different ages. But I realized, especially with episode three, is that at the core of the story is Lupin and his struggle with trying to find who he wants to be when he's stuck in between a father who wants him to be, you know, a straight and narrow upright guy and a grandfather who wants him to be a thief, but like an, a thief who is an heir to a legacy, you know. And so he's like in this weird place in his life where he's growing up and he doesn't know exactly what he wants to do. And he crosses paths with Jigen and it's kind of this, the story of how their friendship affects how he becomes this person in the future. And I think that as a story is just awesome in general. And the way that they've done it here is really good. Obviously, in the first three episodes, we've only kind of, I guess, set the stage for what's to come. Uh, but I think that it was a very wacky start, <laughs> especially in the beginning, you know, when he's at the school and Jigen walks out. And he, and even before then, Lupin is already, uh, what, uh, cheating some kids out of their money on the rooftop. I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, that is super, like, you know, teenage uh, troublemaker business up there. <laughs> And then episode two, you get a little bit more of their friendship because I guess it's interesting to me because Lupin, we're not really sure at how he identifies Jigen either as a friend or a potential rival because they've got that kind of thing going on, right? Where he's like, okay, let's race to the store. And then later it's, okay, let me steal the thing that you're trying to protect. So it's, you know, <laughs> I think it has a, a, an interesting uh, shades of how his future relationships will be, you know, with like Fujiko and stuff where it's like, you know, they're friends and they like each other, but they're always, you know, betraying each other or causing trouble for each other. And then episode three is kind of where it gets a little more plot heavy with Lupin and his grandfather and then his father. Um, And I think one more other thing that I like is that uh, I said early on that I was confused because it seemed like just the same characters, but younger, but you can see, especially in Lupin, how he still, he's still like kind of naive and doesn't have all his skills yet. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think episode three is really interesting in that sense because he spends a lot of time with uh, Fulan, the the woman, and he doesn't realize at all that it's actually his dad the whole time, (laughs) which I think was a crazy (laughs) twist. But it's also like, oh, you probably should have picked up on that because she was acting kind of weird. And and I'm curious to find out if you guys uh, had any inkling that something was up with her. Uh, I didn't, uh, admittedly, until I got to the end of the episode, but then you look back on it, you're like, oh, I see. Because they do drop a lot of hints, and, uh, you know, I think for for only being six episodes, unfortunately, you kind of wish it was longer, but I also think that there's a benefit to it in that they the writers are able to take a story and kind of be very mainstream and, you know, make it smooth and pepper in the things that they need to, and it's very different mm-hmm. from, say, like, part six, where it was like, you know, going back and forth between these different timelines and things happening. So mm-hmm. that's a lot of what I like about Lupin Zero so far is just the story and the characterization. And of course, there's a lot of throwbacks to part one that maybe go over my head somewhat, but uh, so I'll let you guys expand on those. But uh, <laughs> in general, I just think it's fantastic and it's really fun to watch. All right. So Emma, how about you? How are you feeling about these uh, these first three episodes of Lupin Zero? <sighs> I've been looking forward to this conversation so much. (laughs) I have loved this so much. I know we like spoke 
something into existence <laughs> at the end of part six where you're talking about like wanting something to refresh on the series because it's felt a little stagnant and then i think like what not even a couple of days later after we released that episode it's like lupon zero it's like <laughs> What? Uh, <laughs> and it, it, like they talk like, oh, it's him as a child and stuff. I was like, well, that could be interesting. And uh, Ian, I'm glad that you brought up all these other shows that have had children, like Muppet Babies and stuff. Yeah, um, it's a really common thing. Um, I'm not sure why. I think people are just interested in like more of a innocent side to characters and especially characters like this um so, but at the same time you can tell that they're still them like you said g and whips out a fucking gun and like, <laughs> <laughs> which is also in a way kind of comical to see and it's like a for what i imagine is like 14 year old with gun smoking a cigarette which i know especially with cigarette smoking in the 60s pretty common yeah. Uh, especially even for children. Um, so, but in, looking at it now in like 2022, going into 2023, you see a 14-year-old smoking, you're like, whoa, okay, that's <laughs> weird. Um, I mean, I mean, you could see a 14-year-old vaping. That is true. That's that is true. true. Yeah. Uh, blowing them clouds. Uh, <laughs> I... Even just off the first three episodes, this has been up there with part four. And I could tell that so many people that worked on part four are involved again. Uh, just at the style, the overall vibe, uh, the character designs. Uh, Yoko, who is just a, a treasure. Uh, I have been joking this entire time that she's somehow related to Rebecca Rossellini. <laughs> they're both music stars i don't know they both kind of have the same blue eyes and i'm just hoping for a really weird version of stacy's mom <laughs> a really weird version of stacy's mom please uh i it's so i don't mean to interrupt but uh is this stacy's mom kind of weird already yeah it is okay just making sure all right <laughs> <laughs> it is <laughs> Um, it would just make it even weirder. <laughs> I, it's been so fun to see. And, and part of that is because you're getting Lupin, especially, who is already very talented, but like Ian suggested, there's still so much that he needs to improve upon. And that's like seen mostly, at, like Ian said, episode three. Uh, not only because he couldn't pick up on his dad, uh, but also just the fact that he almost died. And I think in the scene where he's trying to get the locks and the like laser guns come out, um, and his dad basically saves him from that. And I'm jumping all over the place, my thoughts here, but episode two has a train. We all know how much I like trains. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and Japan also loves trains, which is probably why there's a train episode. <laughs> I like trains. <laughs> Every, everyone loves trains except America. So. Yeah, unfortunately. sad. It just makes me angry. Angry. <laughs> but... That scene where the train is about to run off the tracks and Jigen almost falls, I was just like, 
shaking my desk the entire like, ah! <laughs> like just so excited i've been having so much fun with this i am just like, like just vibing so hard off this it's like god i wanted this this is what i wanted part six to make me feel like i felt this at episode zero didn't feel it after that but this i'm just like constant high riding and then you have that beautiful ending oh my god (laughs) jigen and lupon on the bike with uh the classic part one ending which gets in my head all of the time and so much of the part one music there's so many stories you can see directed completely just out of the manga it's taking all of the best parts of lupon and putting them together into one project and i think so far first three episodes just chef's kiss i wish i could do like that shane madey chef's kiss like i wish i could have like a sound for that but i can just do it on camera (laughs) just the very aggressive chef's kiss it's kind of gross um but that's really my thoughts on it i'm so so much looking forward to the next three righty so uh natalie how about you how are you feeling about these three? Well, um, if we're going to use chefs and their catchphrases, I will I will channel my inner pasta queen. Shout out to the pasta queen. If she listens, I doubt it. But Italy is popular. Lupin is popular with Italy. Anyways, these three are just gorgeous. No, they're great. <laughs> I mean, I was channeling past the queen, but no, these are amazing. It's funny because Emma brings up that we kind of, um, we talked this into fruition. And can I just also say that I I spoke Liz Truss's resina- resignation into existence. I have physical proof in my best friend, but <laughs> regard- regardless of that fact, um, I mentioned in our Chris in our second episode of our second anniversary, our second annual Christmas episode that with Lupin and me getting older, it's not hitting what it used to hit for me when I was like 12, 13, 14, 15. And it's not like I don't love Lupin because of it. It's just, you know, you grow up, you you grow, you, you adapt, you change and some and so do things you love. And sometimes it's not going to hit you the way it did when you were a child. And yet this is hitting me the way when I was a child It's ironic because it's about Lupin and Jigen as children, but I love it. I mean, I haven't read much of the kid Lupin stories in the manga. Cause I don't own a lot of the, um, I don't own a lot of the manga books and trying to find, cause I only have like a good handful of them and trying to find them now is like, <laughs> I'm not made out of money though I do spend most of my disposable income going to musicals again and again. Anyways, um, (laughs) what I really enjoy about this is just the characterization. Um, You know, um, Ian was talking about how Lupin, especially in the first episode, is really going through this, like, it's, it's a very formulaic storytelling of, like, teenagers and their place in the world. And I kind of joke that it's, for me, I call it the trope of, um, and of quoting musicals again, Les Miserables, um, Jean Valjean singing Who Am I? Which is also fitting because uh, Lupin is the Jean Valjean to Zenigata's Javert, except uh, Zenigata doesn't commit suicide. <laughs> Good on him. <laughs> Who am I, Lupin the Third? Um, so I do like how 
going in going into the roots of like starting them off as teenagers and really finding their place in the world Jigen really seems like he kind of found his place in the world I always and again mentioning my own stories but I've always imagined Jigen as like being an army brat just like being moved from town to town maybe like his dad's american mom's japanese grew up on an army base and his dad just but the fact that his dad just taking him to actual war zones it's like dude where is japanese uh csa when when you need them you know like which what, what you doing to this child bro but it, it does it does fit I mean, Emma and I joke that when Jigen was probably out of the womb, came out with like whiskey in one hand and a cigarette in the other. <laughs> um, out of the womb for seven minutes and already fed up with life. Exactly. And, and you know what? Um, I couldn't agree more. That was probably I, I, me, but more like the fed up with this life sort of thing. Um, and then also for me, what really hit me so much that I loved about it, especially it, it was more like episode three. Um, I had to get it spoiled because I was just, I was just, what do you call it? Um, I didn't want to wait. I wanted to confirm if that shitty little blonde kid was Albert. And I texted, um, well, I DM'd Guillaume and I was like, you've seen the episode. Please tell me. it is it Albert? He's like, yeah, it is. I'm like, Boy, a little shit <laughs> my boy <laughs> so i was happy that they brought him back and made it some sort of sense of like oh yeah they're they might be related which is what i did in my in my own fan fiction but also um bringing back grandpa arson lupon giving off real Tyrion lannister vibes of the whole the line where Tyrion lannister is like being stalked by the um the um the hill tribesman and tells him how do you want to die Tyrion of house lannister i don't know in my 80s with a belly full of wine in bed and a whore's mouth around my um around my cock and i'm like oh it's grandpa lupon except without the blowjob it's just several bitches grandpa lupon got a harem which yeah grandpa lupon being unhinged um not really how i would i would see maurice leblanc writing him but it does fit if you've read the original stories. <laughs> but yeah, this is just great. And also the recent ending with, with episode three of seeing um, Grandpa Lupin with um, with Shinobu. And I'm just like, oh, not Grandpa Lupin, uh, Dad Lupin. I'm just like, oh, that's his dad. Why is he hot? Oh, God, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when um, I first watched it and I, I didn't have any context as to who was who because I was just kind of skipping through things because I had just gotten the materials. I honestly thought that Lupin's dad was actually Jigen's dad because just just quite <laughs> on his design because I was like, isn't that <laughs> looks like Jigen to me? I yeah, thought I'm the just, same thing simply off the thing. What if? What if? Oh, God, this would make it even more awkward. What if he's both of their dads and they're half brothers and the gay contacts is already gone? I'm not saying that we should get rid of the gay contacts. Lupin, Jigen, forever. But, oh, it would ruin so many shifts. I could already see that. Um, and I guess on the last point, I'll leave it off is uh, Yoko's VA being um, your forger's uh, VA. I'm currently obsessed with Spy Family. Mm -hmm, it's like yes best mom best mom (laughs) (laughs) all righty so chris how do you feel about him dude (laughs) dude Dude. i kind of like it (laughs) (laughs) hey you hear that he likes it you kind of like it no honey I mean, you know, I mean, I, I only wrote a uh, 
a very lengthy article for Lupin Central about the uh, manga stories that the show was drawing inspiration from, which I got a lot to say about that, so I'll get that in a moment. But <laughs> first of all, I just want to kind of echo everybody's thoughts here in that, you know, it's very fresh, it's it's new, it's something we haven't seen before in the anime, like, at all. And, uh, like, I for one appreciated how, you know, Western cartoony everything looks, especially compared to uh, Part 5 and particularly Part 6, which was really heavy on what I call anime nonsense. Which, by the way, shout out for that Twitter user who asked me about Episode 2 of this and used the phrase anime nonsense. So, you're listening to us, and I appreciate that. But, uh, anyway, you know, stuff like Lupin taking on, you know, the mobsters in the club in Episode 1. Especially like the bit with the rug. It felt very Tom and Jerry to me, which I appreciated. Because Monkey Punch was a huge fan of Tom and Jerry. Yeah, the character designs and animation run me a lot of Part 4. I'm really digging all the Part 1 callbacks. So, yeah, um... This series is drawing a lot of inspiration from a story arc in the original manga where it was part of Weekly Manga Action's uh, first year anniversary. This was 1968, ran for a month, four weeks. And it was about you know, the adventures of Lupin III as a teenager. Most of what they're uh, drawing from is the second chapter, at least so far, where Arsene... No, no, take it back. The first and second, the first chapter. Sorry, where Arsene Lupin sends his grandson into a mansion as a way to try to uh, prove his worthiness to uh, the inheritance. And I really like how they combine that with the chapter following it, where all you have a group of people competing for this so-called inheritance. And like Natalie mentioned, Arsene Lupin is, as an old man, is far from the gentleman thief he used to be, and which which uh, tracks with uh, how Monkey Punch wrote him. Like, the bit where he steals, you know, his harem girl's gold teeth. Like, that was horrifying. Mm-hmm. And also, I've, I mentioned this, but... I'm, I mentioned this off mic, but it's going to sound weird, but I feel like this series is bringing sex back to Lupin III as a franchise. Because it feels like... you know, parts not sex, of, more sexuality. Well, yeah, it is. Because, like, <laughs> you know, parts four, five, and six felt kind of chased i think and you know you you get to episode three here and there are three pairs of bare breasts staring at you which in context is not good but appreciated that probably came out wrong but and also i gotta give props to uh lupin's line george what's his name uh fulan Mm -hmm. or his father disguised as fulan oh she's a jiggler (laughs) that uh, line (laughs) killed me that was great (laughs) I don't know about you, but seeing, like, not necessarily prepubescent, but, like, child Lupin or adolescent Lupin just, you know, presented with titties and a girl basically half naked and the awkward positions they get in in that maze. It's just like, oh, I keep forgetting he's not a grown-up anymore, a grown-up yet, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, there's a uh, a bit in the second chapter of the, uh, of the manga story where young Lupin is hanging out with his late grandpa's harem and uh the maid who in the series is named shinobu i don't believe she had named the manga but the tokyo pop version called her miss k but she says you know she asks him to join everybody else for the uh, reading of the will and so lupin starts doing the uh you know lecherous come-ons that he would do as an adult and so the next page just has her dragging him by the collar into the room with a knot on his head which in my article i mentioned that 
I would blame down teenage hormones, but no, he's like this as an adult too. But I also appreciate the fact that uh, the hollow needle was involved. I haven't I haven't read that story of the original Arsene Lupin stories, but I, re- I heard a name, so I appreciate that reference. Um, you can also put in there and. Um, I remember screaming like a madman because <laughs> I watched it with Maria and Robbie when this was shown, but um, they mentioned the hollow needle, but the cliff part very much looked like the cliffs in Etreyat, which um, for context here, the cliffs in Etreyat, which is a real place, it's in Normandy in France. It's always been um, associated with Maurice LeBlanc's stories because he lived around the area and it was always associated with Arsene Lupin. So if you go there today and you go to the cliffs, um, Gustave Corbet, famous Swiss painter, painted them. So he's got a little bit of association with Lupin. But if you go today, there's like a lot of Lupin tourists dressed in like uh, top hats and capes walking around. They did that. I know what you're going to point out. Because they did that in um, the Netflix Lupin series. Spoilers, where his son gets kidnapped. They they literally go to the cliffs at Etreyat. So when I saw that, I'm like, oh, they did a mock (laughs) cliffs of Etreyat. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Oh, I could talk about Arsene Lupin all day. Sorry. <laughs> and I could listen to you talk about him all day. Oh, thank you. I'm flattered. <laughs> I've, I've, I've only read one compilation. I would like to read more, though. But I've, I've read all the stories. Like, I'm, I'm that obsessed. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I know I'm mostly talking about the third episode because that is by far my favorite. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying you know, all the elements from the original manga brought in. And, you know, I'm enjoying all the slapstick humor as well. Like, memory serves, like, uh, young Lupin comes out of a room at one point with, like, a fish biting onto his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, there's some of that in, in the first few episodes as well, like, uh, like Lupin and Jigen using the explosion of dynamite as a springboard to board the ship that the bad guys are on. Like, that is just, you know, Looney Tunes takes every cartoon logic, and I love it. I'm not really saying much about the second episode, because while I enjoyed it, it didn't quite grab me as much as the first and third one did. Although uh, it was interesting, you know, getting more development for Jigen, who did not have a child counterpart in the manga. So uh, that's really fun to see. It's also fun to see their, uh, you know, their friendship developing how it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm just, I understand it's only six episodes because it's like Strong Bad said, too much of a good thing is an awesome thing. Too much of an awesome <laughs> thing is a, a bad thing. So I, I get it, but I would object to maybe six more. Mm-hmm. Look, speaking as a Helsing fan, it's a good thing there was only 10 OVAs, 10, mon- 10 manga books. And I think that was the greatest way to end that series, despite the fact that I wish there was a little bit more. But yeah, what is the phrase? Too much of a good thing is not a great thing. I, I agree with that Helsing mm. sentiment because if I heard the <laughs> major monologue anymore, I was going to lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the that's why uh, Team Four Stars of Bridge series made it way better. I want more. Oh, before I forget, uh, in episode three, I thought it was kind of cool that Albert appeared, only to get shot again. But- <laughs> <laughs> Poor man. Well, he was prepared this time. That's true. true. Yeah. He learned oh, last time somehow. <laughs> so, so you're saying he learned retroactively? Like Yes, he did. He should have learned from the first time. <laughs> he should have remembered. But, but no, um, so like, I thought it was cool how they were like tying in part five that way. But at the same time, I was concerned that uh, this series may get like tangled up in that continuity. 
because uh, they do make a point of referring to our protagonist not as Lupin the Third. He's just Lupin. Mm-hmm. Which you know ties back to a, to a moment in Part Five where he and Albert say that the title of the Third is still up for grabs. And in the original manga, though, it was there was no question that our hero was Lupin the Third. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not true. Monkey Punch toyed with the idea that he may not actually be be Arsene Lupin's grandson, but that's neither here nor there. That's a discussion for another podcast. I mean, if anything, I still want to toy with the fact that maybe Grandpa Arson isn't really Maurice Blanc's Grandpa Arson. Maybe he's just a wacky old son of a bitch who, you know, like, um, is impersonating Grandpa Arson and is taking the title for himself if we're going to keep up with that continuity. Again, this is a great thing about Lupin. There's no continuity. Continuity? Yes. Throw it out the door like I just threw my sandworm. <laughs> continuity? What continuity? Yeah, exactly. Continuity? What continuity? Um. But yeah, like again, like the whole thing though with you know Lupin having to earn the title of Lupin the Third, that that felt kind of unnecessary to me because it really didn't add anything to the episode aside from maybe give him further motivation. But nevertheless, it's it's a neat detail, and I do kind of like the fact that it kind of draws attention to the fact that Lupin the Third does not have a first name. Mm. He's just Lupin. And, yeah, <laughs> it's like Prince. He's the. <laughs> <you know? laughs> What's your last name? I'm just Prince. <laughs> Chris's first name is amazing. <laughs> I mean, every it's time true. I send him mail, I don't. I just put amazing Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do put his last name, but here's an old joke. It's like I thought your middle name was the. <laughs> you know, for the time <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I probably mentioned it before, but it drives me up to the wall whenever people refer to him as Arsene Lupin the Third. That is not his name. His name is just Lupin III. But again, neither here nor there. But also, uh, uh, I can't help but love the fact that Lupin wrote on his contract, Eat Shit, Old Man, and did a very monkey punch-esque doodle of his grandfather mm-hmm. that painted on it. <laughs> I love that. Was that, may I ask real quick, Ian, was that literally what it translated to? Very close, yes. He was okay. being he was being very crude. So he do, he he clearly does not like his grandpa very much. I mm. I, I wouldn't either. Uh, his, his grandpa <laughs> literally yanked out the gold teeth from a girl. Like mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. Yeah. he he ain't a good person. Yeah, I'm just gonna put this out here. I think grandpa's kind of a dick. Yeah, this mm-hmm. th- this Lupin not a nice man. the part one song. <laughs> Nor, nor does he get angry sometimes. He seemed like he was yeah, pretty good. You said that simply to put that song in this episode. I know you. Yes, I did. No, yes, I did. And you know what? You know what? No harm, no foul. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, several years ago, I was reading uh, reviews of Tokyo Pop's uh, Lupin Third manga, and uh, when the reviewer got to volume four. She had mentioned the fact that she had started reading the series because she was a big fan of Maurice LeBlanc's Arsene Lupin stories. Oh, honey, no. <laughs> she she was very amused, by the okay, way. Okay. By the way, Grandpa Lupin was was presented just because of how completely at odds it was to how he's traditionally portrayed. Mm-hmm. And and she she was really entertained by that. So I thought it was pretty cool that I'm actually kind of curious because I don't know. Can I ask uh, in in the original novels, how old is Arsene Lupin supposed to be? No one knows. That's the great thing also mm. about the, the yeah. sense of the Lupin continuity, because like he is not given a set age. Mm-hmm. He is not given a set look. Even in the um I know Japan, 
because uh, Guillaume had them when I visited him. But um, in Japan, they they did release uh, graphic novels of the original Arsene Lupin stories. And he and I joke that he kind of looks like young Walter from Helsing. But even then, he does mention that like he d it, it's very much like I call it the faceless man theory from Game of Thrones, where I, I, I don't even know what I what I really look like. I don't even know what I really sound like. Like the man himself is an enigma, which is also ironic considering the fact that in um, in 2004, France did a really amazing film based on the stories called Asen Lupin with Romain Duras as the main character and Eva Green as the love interest um, before she kind of transitioned to be in big here in America. And they they gave him a consistent look throughout and almost like let him age a little bit because by the end of it, it fast forwards like 18, 20 years after um, after the main story. But yeah, that, that that's a great thing. It's it's almost like Sherlock. It's almost like Sherlock Holmes in that regard. Sherlock Holmes isn't even really given a real age, let alone we, we what we know how Holmes looks like is from illustrations and later on um, plays, pr play portrayals of him. Well, something I think is interesting to point out is that Maurice LeBlanc appears as a character in his own books. Hmm. Which is a very that. French thing, because not only oh, yeah. did he do that, um, Victor Hugo did that with Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Gaston LaRue does that in Phantom of the Opera. Like, we get it. You wrote these books. You don't need to be a self-insert OC. Tell that to Stephen King. Well, uh, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> My man's always putting himself in the books. <laughs> the thing about Maurice LeBlanc as a character, though, is that he's kind of uh, Arsene Lupin's unofficial biographer. And he mentions that Lupin never approaches him looking the same way twice. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like he mentioned that there's been a few times where he was unable to recognize the man. Yeah. Which I always thought was really cool. And, you know, going back to what uh, Monkey Punch did in the manga is that he toyed a few times with the fact that Lupin's partners and even the readers had never seen Lupin III's real face. Mm -hmm. It's like he never confirmed it one way or the other, but you know he toyed with the idea, which I like that part five did a callback to that in its final yeah. episode. Although it's also worth pointing out that the Arsene Lupin stories span, you know, quite a long period of time. You know, because like he gets involved in World War One, I, I believe, as yes. a spy. And which, so, which, if you're going to go off by maybe saying that in the first book he was like in his early 20s, and this is in the like the 1880s or something, um, he would have been 60, 70 years old by the time World War One comes out, and you really want a 60, 70 year old fighting for the French at that time? <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck is this old geezer? He's awesome. Watch, That's who he is. Yeah, watch and learn, kiddos. Watch and learn. I started this shit. Okay. <laughs> Um, Drew, um, if Chris doesn't have any other added points, we, we all know you love it, but tell us how much you love it. Ah, tell us. All right. Let's see. I'm about to start rambling, but, uh, I got to start y'all. I'm, 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 I'm sorry to admit that I, I love this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've seen your Twitter. Okay. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> all right. So before I get into like my feelings about the series, like the episodes, I have to talk about my journey with this. You know that meme that's uh, it's Vince McMahon from WWE, like <laughs> leaning back in his chair, consistently yeah. getting more shocked. You know how there's like usually that meme only has like four or five panels. Mm -hmm. The entire process of this series being announced till its release has been like like thirty panels for me <laughs> as like it's gone on because like the initial announcement. Because to, to start off with 
with part six, uh, we've we've already talked about it in our final recap, but part six, I I don't like ultimately dislike part six as a whole. Like there, there, there's a lot that I do like and love about it. There's some parts that left me cold, but there are, there are some episodes, specifically the ones that uh, Mamoru Oshii wrote that like kind of really put a jolt in me. Like, like, you know, this, I've never really quite seen in the series before. And like I, I, I was kind of hoping for that kind of jolt again, something kind of akin to uh, I think I think even Chris said it in a, in that episode, something similar to like the woman called Fujiko Mine, like something like an event like that again. And when that episode like went up, literally it was less than a week later. We get the poster for Lupin Zero. We get the announcement of the director, the writer, Studio Telecom is back, and like the the the, the uh, the design seemingly pulled straight from like uh, I think it's it's that chapter it's it's that first young Lupin chapter that episode three is based off of. There's artwork of like Lupin sitting cross-legged in his school uniform with the sleeves rolled up, kind of looking really mischievous. And like man, from that alone, I was already starting to lose my mind a bit just because I I, I love parts four and five in particular and having a lot of folks from that come back and folks in different roles. Cause I know I'm uh, Kisao Yokobori didn't come back to do the character designs, but it was the assistant character designer who has like their own kind of fascinating take on it. And so, you know, that had me very excited. And then the, uh, the first trailer drops, which has Afro Lupin 68 from part one playing, which like, cause, cause at first we were kind of like, Yuji Ono's not coming back. Um, also I'm, I'm, I do one point as I know I'm still very concerned about Yuji Ono because there was a post from his Twitter account in March of this year that he was not in good health and there's been no updates since then. So I, I am kind of concerned about that. And it made sense that he wasn't uh, reprising the role of composer for this. But I'm, uh, I was not familiar with Yoshihide Otomo's, but like, you know, I'm up for something new. The minute I heard Afro Lupin 68, I, uh, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme, it was that, it was that, but me jumping out of my chair doing it. And that, I think around that time is when the synopsis dropped and it said that Otomo was composing uh, his own soundtrack with revised tracks from Lupin the Third Part One, which that music has not been used in Lupin for 51 years. It was that one series and it's never appeared in animation since. So that was a very exciting concept. So again, that's like that's like the fourth level of me doing the uh, you know the Vince McMahon like leaning back thing, and then the other posters drop, and it's revealed that Lupin the Second and Lupin the First are going to be here, and Lupin the Second's design is ripped straight from the manga, and you see the character designs of Shinobu and everyone, and they all look it has that monkey punch look to it, which we also haven't seen animation for quite some time. And then the second trailer drops. I know I'm, I'm doing the and then and then thing, but the second trailer drops and it's the part one ending. So at that point, I'm on like the 27th layer of the Vince McMahon <laughs> like freaking out thing. And that kind of leads up to the episode itself, which I'm going to go ahead and say this. And this is a big take. And I know it's it's possibly like, I don't know, like a hot take, whatever you call it. And we're only three episodes in. But this whew, this is the most I have enjoyed Lupin since part four, since I caught that during its simulcast, I think this might be my favorite Lupin thing over part four in quite some, like I, I think it might take it's it. And the woman called Fujiko Mine 
take kind of the top spot for me. And I know it, it, it's early days. It hasn't ended yet, but I trust uh, Ichiro Okuichi, his writing with this. And just, there's just something to this. I, 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 I I'm, I'm kind of struggling over myself right now, but there's a freshness to it. Um, uh, uh, you were both, you, uh, I think Chris, you brought it up, how it's, it, it's both you and Ian brought it up. You know, it's six episodes. It'd be nice to see more, but you know, with six episodes, it can be really concentrated because even with Lupin things, I love personally, like even like the series I adore, it can kind of go on. It can kind of outstay its welcome a little bit like part four, part five, part six, TV specials, movies. Um, I think the only ones that kind of avoided that were the woman called Fuchiko Mine being 13 episodes or the Kawike films being uh, like, you know, under an hour, like roundabout, like, you know, when they had the constraints of being concise, I think it really brings out the strong suits of like the Lupin series like of Lupin, if that makes any sense at all. Like, so I guess I'll get into the episode itself. Let's see. So with episode one, uh, excuse me here while I'm trying to gather my thoughts, because I've, I've my brain has been rushing ever since I've like watched these episodes. It, I, I am so happy um, I believe what you've just done is describe what it feels like to have a nerdgasm. <laughs> I think so. I th- uh, well, if it, if it lasts more than three hours. <laughs> but seeing this, like, it, it's so fascinating to see this version of Lupin. Like Ian said, because at first you are kind of thinking, like, this is just like, this is, this is just Lupin. But you get these little things here and there, like in the first episode of him, like he chases after the car after Yoko gets kidnapped. But you're like, you know, he's still young and not sure footed. He slips and falls and gets hot headed and has an outburst like out in the alleyway. Um, he smokes his first cigarette, trying to be all suave and cool and nearly throws up. Um, <laughs> That's a great scene. He's susceptible Cute. to Jigen knocking him over like on a whim. And you get uh, uh, bits in episode three where like he, he like he's maneuvering around all the crazy traps they have and just like barely making out the skin of his teeth. He needs, I was going to say Fulon's, but his dad's help to get out of different scrapes. He needs Jigen's help to get out of different scrapes. And even Jigen is still not fully formed yet because you've got, um, uh, there's a bit I love in episode one where uh, uh, Yoko's been kidnapped. Her and Lupin are at gunpoint. He yells like, hey, Jigen, help us out. Help me out. And he shows he's got both guns on a string. And so Jigen, like, you know, fires the guns out of the goon's hands and then fires, like, the guns into pieces. Lupin's like, why did you waste all of your ammo? <laughs> and Jigen, you see him go like, oh, no. <laughs> it's it's so fascinating to see it. And then you get this version of Lupin who's, uh, like, kind of being pulled two different ways. People are telling him what to do. He wants, he, he's got that spirit of Lupin in him. Like, he wants to, like, live by his own rules, but he's still kind of, like torn by these two things and Jigen who is also having his own like issues of like being a bodyguard going to other people's whims, even though like you think he's like going by his own whims, but still like I, I, I love that bit in episode two where like, you know, Lupin confronts me about that. Like, are you just going to follow other people's orders? Or are you going to follow your own? And you get this man, this show so good. I just have to add with that in mind, like with, with them being like, you know, so like, like, like they're not fully formed yet. You get some just incredibly fun. I say they're not fully formed yet, but you get some really fun old school Lupin antics like in, in that first episode. Like, man, 
and and this goes for the franchise just in general with with TV specials and like the recent series. I kind of forgot how silly the fran like the the series can be for a minute there. Like the moment I'm going to get really sappy here, but like that whole nightclub scene when he's got like you know him and Yoko running around on stage. He's got her by the hand. They're swinging around. She accidentally hits a guy with the microphone. He flings off stage. Lupin pops his hands out. Another guy tumbles off stage. He accidentally headbutts a dude. His teeth go flying everywhere. You know, Jigen and Yoko get sent tumbling like back into a couch and upright again, like seemingly confused. Like, man, I, I kind of got, I don't know if I say emotional, but like, man, like I just got like a really nice feeling. Like I wanted to tear up because it's like, man, it's like it. I haven't seen stuff like this since some of the old series or since I read some of the manga. It, it, it I, I don't want to like dig on part six because part six was kind of the 50th anniversary series, but I think this counts as a 50th anniversary series as well. And this one really feels like it's a celebration of like, you know, the cartooniness and the fun, but with that underlying sense of darkness from monkey punches manga, but it's, it, it's a version of that darkness. That's not like it doesn't cause I enjoy the manga, but there are elements of the manga that like haven't aged well Oof. and are like very uncomfortable. And, and, but there is Oof. a way to adapt the darker elements of that without, you know, bringing some of those factors. And I think they're walking that tightrope like exceptionally well, like in episode three, because Lupin the first is a bastard. Yeah. Like he's, he's like outright sinister. The, the two things I've been mentioned, like that actually like took me aback. Like, man, I didn't know we were going to like quite go there. He wasn't, he wasn't even that bad in the manga. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, um, somehow yeah. worse here. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, I, I mean, it would have. I would like to think it would have made. A, it felt a little bit better if it was from the manga, but the fact that that was included in, it's like, oof, mm-hmm. woof. <laughs> but the, the fact that it's able to walk that tightrope between the darkness and and the silliness so well. Um, it's also something that like, I've come to like part five a lot more on rewatch. And I I think Okuichi dealt with some kind of dark subject matter there and whether or not some of it was successful is up for debate. I I think some things kind of felt like, you know, a little too far in some places, but with that said, I think here, like, I think that was not like a trial run, but I think he's like learned from that and found this really, this really excellent balance and like, Oh boy, I'm so sorry. This is so unfocused, but like that—that—that's one thing I love about this series in particular is that we've got Okuichi back, who I think did a great job overall in Part Five. Is doing an even better job here, and not only do we have Okuichi's writing, we've got Ian translating that writing. So like this, again, this is all ingredients for this being like maybe my favorite Lupin thing in like the past decade, and you, and, and you add that on top of the. Uh, the artwork in it and the animation telecom. And th- th- that's another aspect of this series being six episodes that I think I appreciate. And I don't know details about animation, so I'm not going to like speak definitively, but I get the feeling that with six episodes, telecom gets more time maybe to really focus on the animation in each episode. So they're, like, you know, they're not overloaded with it because every single episode just has just gorgeous, vibrant, like, a uh, very expressive animation in it. That's just really nice to see. And I, I love the, the line art has that kind of sketchy, like hand drawn has that very tactile feel to it, which is really nice to see. And, and w- which 
that in is in and of itself feels like kind of a love letter to part one and it's kind of rough around the edges kind of scratchy hand-drawn look and you add that with the revised tracks of uh, uh takeo yamashita's music which meant every time one of those tracks comes on i i, I jump out of my chair in episode one when um they have Yoko tied up and uh, one of the goons comes in and says like, you know, there's a boat, like, you know, like someone's chasing us and it cuts hard cuts out to the boat chasing. And you hear Afro Lupin 68 with that P30. Like I jumped out of my chair and just started laughing maniacally. I may have seemed insane, but it was because it was just pure joy. So, (laughs) ah, boy. P38. (laughs) 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 Um, so to, to 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 kind of bring like me in focus and reining myself in, I'm sorry, I'm I'm all rambly. I've, I, I the, the the series is just it has it's the happiest Lupin has made me since I first watched uh, part four during its simulcast. Like that was the first series I watched, and it was such an exciting feeling. And and again, this isn't to disparage any of the other Lupin stuff. I think it's because I've loved a lot of recent Lupin stuff. I think it's just that much greater. If that, if that makes any sense, like it's not to like say all the other stuff was bad. It's just this is on just another level of greatness. That just, it just makes me happy. It's hard not to watch these episodes and have a huge smile on my face. Like, like I, I'm sad it's only six, but man, I'm going to treasure like these next three weeks so much. It, it, it it's so nice to see like this character development with Lupin that we haven't really quite seen before that this unrefined version of him, like all the traits are there, but he's still like, he's still, he's, he's, he's still a little greenhorn, like working his way around. And, um, and, and also the Lupin franchise as of late can get like, and honestly, I, I applaud it for kind of getting out there and like trying different, like weird things in different settings. It makes me so happy to have a Lupin franchise. that's all strictly within like the criminal underworld of Japan, which is also very reminiscent of a part one. So that, 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 that's also been really nice. And I love all the side characters. Yoko is great. My way. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, she was also voiced by another Matt <laughs> I was literally, sorry, Drew, I cut you off. I was no, literally go ahead, go ahead. waiting for you to mention Yoko, so I go Matt <laughs> <laughs> So you got Sayori, uh, Sayori Hayami voicing the two biggest wife, the, 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 two, the two biggest wives of the season. She, she, she's just killing it. Yeah, literally. The two biggest <laughs> wives of the season would be a good uh, name for her album, just saying. I, I, I. <laughs> well, when I when I ever reform that that punk band, I always talk about. I know what I'm going to call her first album. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I, I'm wrapping my stuff up here, but I, I love seeing Albert show up, which is so funny because like it, it, I get the distinct feeling because like it, it, it's a prequel, and I actually touch on that in a second. But it's like a prequel and stuff. But I love that Okuichi is like ah, I'm bringing my boy back. Because I don't know if I don't know if Okuichi created Albert. I mean, I would guess so, given that he wrote Part Five. So maybe like you know he wants to bring he wants to bring his baby back, and this time it's literally literally his baby. Um, um. <laughs> I feel like Aficionados Chris could touch more upon this, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like um, I did hear again, this is just rumor or even like unconfirmed. Heard it through the grapevine that even mon- even like 
Monkey Punch was totally down with the inclusion of Albert as kind of like mm. foil to Lupin. Yeah. And I'm glad they brought him for part six, even though they fucked him over. Like, <laughs> justice, for, <laughs> justice for my boy. Um, but to bring him back as a little shit child, I swear to God, he looks like, oh, Lord. He literally looks like... I'm mentioning my favorite series right now, but he's he literally looks like a Targaryen. He looks like he could be in Game <laughs> of Thrones, <laughs> like w- one of um, Viserys and Alicent's children, because he literally looks like a little Aemond, just waiting mm-hmm. for somebody to slash his eye out. <laughs> oh, God. Because <laughs> he would probably deserve it, too. <laughs> well, that explains why, why he wears glasses as an adult. that's true that's true that's true um it it cracked me up in part six how the poor man couldn't go outside with being shot or shot at and so like Mm -hmm. i joked to emma like it's gonna be so funny if he shows up in lupon zero and gets shot again and lo and behold lo and behold poor little guy (laughs) i died laughing at that just like well there he goes but it's it's, again like i said it's almost like he he retroactively learned from part six i need Mm -hmm. to go outside with the bulletproof vest on and i say that because i love that this series exists because I love that Lupin has this canon, which isn't a canon, where mm-hmm. you can pretty much do whatever you want with it. Like, because you've got the woman called Fujiko Mine, technically it's set in the mid-60s where Lupin and Jigen meet as adults. You've got Lupin First Contact, where they meet in, like, the 2000s. You've yeah. got all sorts of stuff. It, you can have all these different things, and I'm here for it. If the next Lupin thing to be announced were to be a movie that's set in the mid-90s, where Lupin and Jigen meet as teenagers... Hell yeah, man! Give it all, like like let like let me see it. it, it oh it's, Lord, Lupin and Jigen as teenagers in the nineties. Don't you dare! <laughs> Please God, no. Uh, they, they would be meeting each other in an AOL chat room. Oh Lord! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could I could already see it. Jigen be, Lupin being like ASL. <laughs> Y'all remember ASL? They go to Woodstock '99. Oh, oh, oh no! 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 no. Break stuff you don't say. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of wondering, like, what was Japan like in the in the mid '90s? Uh, hmm. My my only recollection of what Japan was in the '90s is from oh my god, my favorite isekai. Um, which which one is the one for for young girls? Shon, uh, shoujo. My favorite shoujo. Yeah, shoujo manga. Um, Fushigi Yugi. That's the only mm. thing I get about Japanese 90s culture. That and Inuyasha. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Take your pick. <laughs> but, but yeah, th- this being set in the, uh, like, I, I guess early to mid-60s roundabout. And I think I think even Lupin the Third, the first, the CGI movie is set in the mid-60s where they're all adults and they're already well-established. I, I, I love it. Like, like, seeing Albert show up in this, he's like a child in the 60s. And like, I guess in part five, he's like, you know, in his forties in twenty eighteen. Don't think too much about. It. Don't think about it at all. Just, just let's think of Lupin. Just go with the flow, man. It's so much fun. I, I love just this. Just repeat like, yourself. It's just a show. I really should relax. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that, that that about rounds up kind of my rant on it. I, I, I know for a person hosting the show, I should probably have more structured thoughts. But man, like when the series makes me this happy, I just have to gush about it. And gush all you want because yeah. you're in that right to gush. It is mm-hmm. that great. And like I, I mentioned, it it's reconnecting that feeling that I've kind of missed since I was a, a youngin, you know, since I was a teenager. And 
to feel to feel that happy over Lupin in my early 30s, it's kind of like it puts everything into perspective, you know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, oh shit, is this what I've been missing out on? It's kind of <laughs> like when you don't know what your purpose is and you find your purpose. I'm like, ah, okay. So that's what mm-hmm. that feels like. It's really refreshing to like side characters again. Mm. Uh, especially as uh, like I really love part four and part five side characters and then part six the first half makes me want to die a little bit um so it was really nice to have ones that are intriguing um and just really liking their designs and also like we talked about bringing Albert back and he just looks like the worst child on the planet. That stupid little haircut. I'm like, no wonder. The pogo stick. <laughs> the pogo stick. I'm like, no wonder he's so angry all the time. It's because somebody dressed him like that. I, I just want to know what is the relationship between him and Arsene mm. Lupin? Is he his little, is he his little, um, what's the word? They used it in Batman. Is that his little ward or something? Like his little <laughs> pet project? <laughs> his his <laughs> kid <laughs> in training? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. That, that, that was definitely how I kind of perceived it in yeah, episode yeah. three mm-hmm. when, when Lupin is like, who are you? And he's like, oh, I came after you did. It was like, you know, Arson lost his Robin and then went and found another one. <laughs> he, he, he found his Jason Todd. So we're calling Lupin the yeah we're calling Lupin the third um, Dick Grayson and then Albert. Oh God, Albert is Jason Todd. No wonder yeah, he's such he a little shit. <laughs> 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 oh, Edge Lord, Edge Lord confirmed. <laughs> I'm a huge Jason Todd fan, so <laughs> I kind of hope the like with uh, all the callbacks of Part One. I was just thinking while we were talking about it and while Drew was talking about all the callbacks to part one, it's Criminal Underworld. I'm like, it'd be interesting to see like a child version of Poon. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, little, little guy with a little crush on Fujiko with a little mustache. The mustache, but it's not the full mustache. It's just like disgusting. Oh. <laughs> I'm 100% down for this idea. <laughs> After we recorded um, our recap of part one, I rewatched the last two episodes, which is how I remember our joke of Pop Up Goemon. But um, mm-hmm. I rewatched the Poon episode and then. Um, without any context, a couple days later, um, because I was hanging out with with my friend Kevin, we were like, "Y'all remember that film, Deep Throat?" And we were just watching it. And uh, what's his name? Um, Jeremy Reams kind of gave me like the poon vibe with the mustache. I'm like, "Oh Lord, <laughs> 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 porn stash it is." <laughs> the poon vibes. Your second album. Oh, oh. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Um, I, another thing I wanted to bring up when I mentioned the cast earlier, um, we, we've only seen them in one episode so far, but Toshio Furukawa is playing Lupin in this, which I remember when that was announced, it made me so happy because for those who don't know, uh, Furukawa voiced, uh, Lupin the third mm-hmm. in the Puma conspiracy OVA, which was the one OVA where they had an entirely different cast for budgetary reasons. <sighs> Budgetary reasons, there's a lot of hearsay around it. I believe uh, Fishing Out with Chris in his book, he's got that kind of straightened out a bit. That'll be coming out next year. But for whatever reason, in both the Japanese and like American fandoms, he's always kind of been kind of cast aside as Lupin, which has always kind of bummed me out because I I think 
for that OV, I think he did like a lovely job in it. You know, he's not trying to imitate Yasuo Yamada. He's doing his own little take on it. Uh, I can't help but not hear uh, Ataru from the original Ursa Yatsura mm-hmm. in his Lupin, which is so lovely. They're really similar characters. Anyway, mm-hmm. like even when I watching Ursa Yatsura, I'm like, Ataru is basically both um, Ryo Saiba from City Hunter <laughs> and also Lupin, which I mean, Lupin and Ryo Saiba are very similar as well. So yeah. <laughs> they're all horn dogs that have to suffer through a lot of slapstick. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, come to think of it, it's actually a really nice year for uh, Furukawa because in the uh, in the new uh, Urasayatsura series, he voices uh, Astro, uh, dad. Astro's dad. Yeah, he's Lupin's dad. He's playing all the dads. <laughs> it's great. It's a nice callback. It's like the equivalent of being, oh my god, what's his name? Ed O'Neill. You know, he was the dad in, um, in um, Married with Children, and then he was the, mm-hmm. gran- the granddad slash dad in um, Modern Family. So it's like, mm-hmm. he's the Ed O'Neill of Japan in voice <laughs> acting right now. I think a better comparison would be uh, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, which featured Casey Kasem as Shaggy's father. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Because that was the first time Matthew Lillard took over voicing Shaggy. Mm-hmm. So and then they brought Casey Kasem back, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. for, for that role. No, good one. And, like, it, it just feels nice because it feels nice for Fuma Conspiracy to have, like, a little bit of vindication there. Because it kind of feels like that's often kind of cast aside in general. And especially that cast and his performance. And it's nice. And it, 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 that's kind of the whole thing with Zero. It's nice that they're bringing back the Part 1 soundtrack, with it, which they haven't used in 51 years. They're bringing back uh, Toshio Furukawa. They're using stories from the manga that have never been adapted. They're they're kind of incorporating some of the Monkey Punch designs. It's it's fresh and it's new, and we're seeing a new side to Lupin. But it's also just a giant love letter to like the series as a whole, but also some some of the most like underappreciated mm-hmm. parts of the series. I think, which is just I think the word nice. you're looking for is nostalgia in a sense. Yeah, yeah, and it's very nostalgic, and mm-hmm. that's what a lot of like. Re, like long running franchises do they do mm-hmm. their best to incorporate like the nostalgia factor into it which is why unfortunately here in america you're getting a lot of like re- remakes and reseries of old shows like they just mm-hmm. announced that 90s show which is a continuation of that 70s show for netflix and it's like uh, i was okay with how they ended it we do not need to know what, what the kids are going on with that that's why i almost don't you want to use the word nostalgic for this because it's not the same in my opinion not the same as doing that like they're using a lot mm-hmm. of parts that have not been either used or yeah. just like Drew said, underappreciated. I felt like nostalgia, mm-hmm. like it's to me, it's just like when you go to a Star Wars movie and they bring back a character and everyone's like, <laughs> "Yeah, I know Star Wars," like that. I, I understand. <laughs> uh, I, I think this is different. Like, yeah, obviously you're going to have like seasoned Lupin fans be able to call back, but there's a lot of things, even as myself as a seasoned Lupin fan, that I probably wouldn't have been able to like draw out. Uh, until somebody uh, told me or just being like, wow, I haven't heard that in a long time and stuff. Mm -hmm. It it felt different than like the normal nostalgia Mm -hmm. uh, for like things like cheap tricks. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's like a difference between like, like seeing star Wars and like, like a, like a character comes back or they're like, Hey, this character is a Skywalker. And you're like, Hey, I know that thing. (laughs) And like, I, I kind of, I kind of have an issue with like, kind of like cheap nostalgia bait mm-hmm. but when and like like you know i, I freaked out when i heard after lupon 68 during the boat chase and like 
granted, I'm falling into that same thing, but also that's a track that hasn't been used in the series for about half a century. So no, I think yeah. that, that's, that's kind of earned to be like, oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who's not super familiar with part one and doesn't really feel any like nostalgia i think it's as a show it's done a really good job at being something that feels fresh even to me um Mm -hmm. and i think that's because it's it's kind of what you guys are saying it's not a pandering type of nostalgia it is much more of a they approached it as we want to tell this story and then they probably looked at what sort of things they could incorporate to create that experience but without being you know like oh hey i get that you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's and in correlation with it being a love letter, I feel like, and, and and I get sad bringing this up, but when Monkey Punch passed, you know, like it, especially when the creator of something passes, it's very much the thought of how does a franchise continue? And if, and if you've seen history, franchises can continue as the main creator is gone. How it's, how it's executed is very much, you know, like the biggest question of all. And I feel like, you know, we get 50 years after um, after part one and then, you know, we get we get part six. And while part six had its ups and downs, some more than others, it still continued the series. You know, we had mm-hmm. the first also, which was a which was another it was CGI, but a love letter to the formulaic Lupin story. Lupin Zero is a love letter to the creator itself and not just, you know, taking from the manga, but having like store. um the character designs from the manga it's very much in that vein of 60s lupon because mm-hmm. of the time zone it is i mean the time period it's set in so i i do see it as like monkey punch you know probably the writers are all in the room like monkey punch this is for you like r.i.p mm-hmm. bro <laughs> hmm. so something i think it's interesting to point out is that last year was the uh well it's it's still 2022 as we're recording this mm-hmm. um Last year was the 50th anniversary of Part 1. This year is the 55th anniversary of the original Lupin the Third manga. And next year, 2023, is going to be the uh, 55th anniversary of the Young Lupin arc. I'm not saying it was intentional, but it's kind of neat how it lines up anniversary-wise yeah. mm-hmm. like that. And also, to your point, Natalie, uh, I don't feel like Monkey Punch's passing has really affected the anime all that much because mm-hmm. Monkey Punch was always very hands-off with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he said like his only qualification for adapting his work is just make it fun, and that's and that's what they're doing. I mean, oh, granted, some mm-hmm. some things were more fun than others, but right. I mean, I I know I know Monkey Punch has been very hands off with the manga. He had like some creative ideas that d- that did make it into some of the series again mm-hmm. with some of the things that happened in part five, but it's always nice when the creator does give that input, you know, and now that he's mm-hmm. gone, it's like, he can't, you know, he can't really give input unless he, unless somebody has an Ouija board. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I would love to see that just a bunch of writers in Japan, like <laughs> monkey punch. We need ideas. What should we do? All hands on the, on the plant, plant to jet. <laughs> it reads. I told you just have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to recreate. B O O is he trying to scare us? B, S, oh, of course. <laughs> Not sure what else we expected from the guy. Um, I was going to say, uh, going off something that Drew said, just in terms of uh, you don't want to feel too hyperbolic and you know go overboard, but how you kind of feel that it might be your favorite thing in a long time. It's actually funny because mm-hmm. before 
you, you tweeted something similar too earlier, but before I, you tweeted that before you even said it, I had a very similar experience. Um, when mm-hmm. I was working on the show, uh, one of my coworkers came up to me and asked me how, how the, sh- the show was. And I had just finished episode four and I'm not going to spoil anything, but what you said about the series in general is how I felt about episode four. Just like I, I like said, I said, I think it's my favorite piece of Lupin related media that has come out in a long time. I just, I really loved it. And I think, I think it's, and I think it's very interesting because this is a series is kind of lacking a giant piece of the Lupin puzzle in that there's no Fujiko and there's no Goemon and there's no Zenigata. Mm-hmm. And I guess to a certain extent, characters like Yoko are similar in that they, you know, have a strong female presence, you know, kick ass, mm-hmm. do an interesting kind of uh, undercovery type stuff. But that's not the same. And, it, and I guess it maybe speaks to the fact that how much of Lupin as a series is about the friendship and partnership of Lupin and Jigen. And I know I, you guys have obviously already seen episode three, so you've seen episode preview, but episode four involves them trying to get whiskey. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, that's... If, <laughs> if we're talking about how to have fun with a show, teenagers stealing alcohol, I think, is a good way to... Mm-hmm. Uh, a good mm-hmm. a good uh, plot to write a script about. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I saw that and I was like... That does seem like them as teenagers, though. They would totally try to swipe up some whiskey. Yep, God, yep, probably yep. like low grade whiskey. Too. <laughs> yeah, they, they haven't. They themselves, like alcohol, haven't aged yet to find out right. what they yeah, really yeah, like. Yep. <laughs> Jim Beam. <laughs> I think it's a. Uh, I, I, I'll correct it in a post if I don't get it right. I think one of the head producers on this is a uh, Yu Kiyozono who uh, has been working on the series specifically. Uh, he's worked on parts four or five in the Kawike films. I think it's uh, uh tabby wolf on uh, Twitter um, uh, has pointed out that, you know, they have a very, uh, very noticeable fondness for the Lupin and Jigen partnership, which really comes through in this show, which mm-hmm. has just been lovely to see. It's, it's great. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, all I can say is I'm ex- very excited to see how people react to the later half because there's. <laughs> and we'll be here to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. But, but, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> but, speaking, but speaking in part to the Lupin and Jigen friendship, I have to give a little. Uh, I'm such a fun person to be around. No, I'm not. I mean, <laughs> not degrading myself or anything. But it's like I'm. As a historian, especially a historian who specifically works on native cultures of Central and South America, I loved that part two, that episode two, that episode two story. Um, The little shaman girl, very anime, very cute. I have a lot of issues with her. Yeah. But um, predominantly being um, her saying like, oh, cows are like sacred in my tribe. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that because cows were not domesticated in South America until they were brought by the Spanish. (laughs) Tag one. (laughs) Tag two. um, Oh God. I don't know. I think, I think that was just one of my main, my main oofs with that one. But what I did like that was quite adorable was how she could definitely see there was something going on with Mm -hmm. Lupin and Jigen, even though they were being like rivals at that point. And she's, and she's having this deep conversation with Jigen. Love the deep conversations where she's like, there's something more between you two. Y'all ain't just rivals. And he's Mm -hmm. like, look, 
I don't get the kid. Okay. One day he acts like a little son of a bitch. The next day where every, where nothing is serious at all. The next, the, the next day he acts like an adult, which granted that's, that's me in my life, but <laughs> <laughs> um, he just hits the nail on the coffin and the little girl just does her little shaman chant to get them back together. And I love how mm. at the end she's like, see my little chant worked. <laughs> it wasn't the universe. It wasn't fate. It was my little chant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I when I did the episode, I definitely I was I wanted to be careful because I didn't want to make her sound I don't know s- stupid for a lack of a better mm-hmm. word, but mm-hmm. she was riding close to that kind of I don't know stereotypical line, which we've seen a few times in Lupin before, so it wasn't mm-hmm. really surprising. But I thought as a as a vehicle as a character to show how an outside person would react to those two mm-hmm. characters in particular, I thought was very good, especially the line mm-hmm. where. Because she asked Jigen the question and he's talking about him and you can tell Jigen's a little frustrated, but he's got a smile mm-hmm. on his face. And she just mm-hmm. straight out says, you know, someone who makes you smile like that is someone we call a friend in my country. And I'm like, hey, there you go. Yeah, uh, that's such a beautiful moment. Yep. Yeah, I yep. found her. I found her adorable. Just the historian in me, you know, who <laughs> who does study these cultures and tribes, not just because of my mother's side of the family, because my mother's from Mexico, but also I, I have fa- outright fascination with them. I was like, ooh, but kind of like the late great John Panette making fun of the Amish. I don't think this is going to go back to say, let's just insert the Mapuche people, and they're going to look at this and be like. We are totally offended. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No harm, no foul. No I harm, feel. no foul. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Again, she was adorable. She was I was like, cute. she's so cute. <laughs> she's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and also, of course, Yoko. Oh God, Yoko. I won't. I don't know if we could talk enough about her, but him, her having a relationship with Lupin at this point, whatever, whatever it is, just reminds me of Serge Gonsborg, the biopic where he's like fascinating, fascinated by this uh, model. And she's like clearly in her twenties and he's just a young kid. And they're just like walking around Paris being friends, even though it's kind of treading that line as well. <laughs> but no, it's mm. so cute. I love it. <laughs> That's why when she came back, it was like, oh, yes, best lady. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, let's not overlook Shinobu though. Yes. I like Shinobu a lot. Shinobu. Um, I love her. Don't know what uh, I mean. Aside from her being the nanny, I wonder if she's shacking up with Lupin the Second. Which hot? I would shack up with Lupin the Second. Let's be real. <laughs> I'd shack up with both of them. Agreed. Yeah. I get in on that too. <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of Lupin the Second, I feel like his reveal at the end of Episode Three mm-hmm. felt so freaking much like something his son would do as an adult. Yeah, yeah. especially with the music in the background too. It's like, oh my god! It's like it's like he it's like he tears off this disguise of a scantily clad woman. He is Mm -hmm. fully dressed underneath it. He has like this big eating grin on his face. Then he jumps (laughs) off a cliff into a convertible that has a license plate that says Lupin Two on it. I was gonna say. I was (laughs) gonna say. And it's just it's just so over the top, stylish and cool. Mm -hmm. It's like. Yeah, I, I see where Lupin the Third gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one that comes from his dad. Yeah, it's definitely a runs in the family sort of thing because I thought that pretty cool myself. Also, can we we cannot like not mention uh, the um, the to- what do you call it the the throwaway character Marion Hood Robin which- Robin Hood the Sixteenth <laughs> that came out of nowhere. 
I saw that and instantly my fucking Mel Brooks came came in. I was just like, where men? Where men in tights? That's right. We may look like sis. That guy threw the short straw of life. (laughs) Man, that guy got a death right out of the manga, too. Oh, he did? Yeah, yeah, he did. I, like, literally, like, was like, oh, my God, (laughs) when that happened. No, me and Maria, we're just on the couch. We're, like, watching this, and it's like, oh, it's literally like that. That's like... (laughs) It literally makes you, like, jump. Because you're it not did. expecting it. It's like, whoa, okay. Mm-hmm. And now we're in Saw, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I think what was unexpected for me was very much the clinicians coming out like, oh, his heart is still intact. I'm like, wait, wh- why are they mentioning his heart five minutes <laughs> later? I need a new heart. Oh. For me, the killer for that scene was uh, he holds up uh, the contract to show um, Albert. And the, mm-hmm. the letters all fall away to, to spell out something different. And the translator mm-hmm. in me was like, oh, my God, this is a nightmare. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> normally, normally, when you do something like that, I, I try to be creative and work it out to make the original thing work so that when the letters drop away, it works. But in this case, I was just like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> that, that, that's Ian's Zodiac letter. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. you, got, you got to pick your battles. <laughs> yeah. Zodiac letter, Ian just being one of the professors from UC Berkeley, just ready to like, oh, can I do this? Yeah. <laughs> now, see, Natalie, you mentioned uh, you know, you know, being surprised and you know about the whole thing with the heart. Meanwhile, I'm just like, I know where this is going. Sweet, <laughs> <laughs> this is horrifying. I mean, I'm here for it I though. Mean, I mean, because again, because again, Chris, um, I don't have all the right, right. um Lupin books, so I don't know uh, manga books. Excuse me. Like, I, I maybe after this, I'll show a tweet what I do have. But um, don't you have all of worlds? Um, like most wanted. Yeah, because at the time they were they were releasing it, I was keeping up with them. But the but you know the I believe it was thirteen or fifteen. Um, I had to get them here and there. The, the finding the first one was after I got pancreatitis. Going to like the little library hospital thing that they have, I found that for one dollar. And I told our um, guest of the guest of the a pod Lucy about it, and she said, "Girl, those are going for forty five dollars on eBay." I'm like, "Really? Oh, that's not the deal." But yeah, Chris, hmm. tangent aside, that was part of the story. <laughs> yeah, uh, the first uh, young Lupin story has Lupin the Third signing a contract for his grandfather, mm-hmm. and he goes into this house, you know, as part of his grandfather's challenge, where he has to face off against an escaped killer. Meanwhile, Arsene Lupin is talking to this old man, trying to buy him off with cash and women. The guy eventually relents, saying that all he wants is his son back, but he he tells Arsene Lupin he has no soul, and he signs a contract. So then the killer in the house, he falls victim to that spike trap that we saw in the episode that Lupin III activated. Turns out Lupin III and this killer, or the killer's father, both signed a contract saying that in the case of their respective deaths, their heart would go to Arsene Lupin. Ah, uh, Okay. So, hmm. not that I did a whole lot of good because in the next chapter, Arsene Lupin that, but so. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom of a few pages. <laughs> I, I, I was just reading your article and it didn't spoil the whole story. So I'm like, where's the heart? I'm like literally thinking, where's the heart part? Was that, was that something the new writers included in or, okay, no, I know it's, it's a monkey punch thing. So thank you for that. This is why you're the manga scholar and we love you for it. And I recommend everyone read my article because I wrote it.
Thanks. I wrote it. <laughs> so, so I guess getting about wrapping it up here, I think we've mm-hmm. all kind of gave our thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am so excited for these next few weeks to watch the episodes. I hope that, uh, I hope we see more uh, of Okuichi writing Lupin. I hope we see more Daisuke Sako working on it, more of a, Asami Taguchi's character design. To hope we see more of this Greek coming back. And Ian, I hope you get to translate. Me too. Me too. I, every new Lupin thing in the future. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> everything you can. Anyway. All I can say is please keep watching uh, on High Dive. And that'll. Mm. More views means more reason to get more stuff. So. And then I can Absolutely. work on it. Um, I was going to say one thing we haven't mentioned is uh, the voice acting in the show. Um, mm-hmm. At first, yes. I was yeah. a little taken aback because Jigen sounds so deep. It's like <laughs> what's kind of different from regular Jigen. But I don't know. It's it's like they're both they've both both got this like young kind of energy to them that I really like, mm-hmm. especially Lupin because he's got um, like I said when he does the like sound effects stuff like in motion. Like mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff, I'm pretty sure is just ad libbed. They like show the actor the rough animatic and they say, "Can you do something here?" And then he just does it. And I'm like, that's good stuff because it's it seems very in character for him to be especially mm-hmm. given given the fact how looney tunesy the slapstick is you know it just fits perfectly yeah. and jigen just sounds really cool and you already mentioned lupin the second uh his actor too is just bringing that suave that it that it needs to the role so mm-hmm. i and yet and that's all new so it's very fresh at the same time it's just mm-hmm. again more chef's kiss here yes Kanichi Kodita makes a lot of those noises. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I, I love uh Hatanaka's uh I, I love his chuckle as Lupine. Oh, yeah, so, it's so great. Like it's like it's not it's it's not impersonating Aso Yamada, it's not impersonating Kanichi Kurita. It's like it has that spirit, but it's it's his own take on it, and it's it's so nice. And it's so it's accurate to the character. <laughs> and yeah, like Jigen having such a deep voice, it's like, man, again, you came out of the womb. <laughs> yeah, he he came out of the womb already, like balls dropping. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sorry to get vulgar, but good night, everybody. Know, um, the, the, the voice actors, um, but just real quick. What I know in terms of like Kanichi Kurita, um, it's he, it's not him impersonating Aso Yamada. It's his take on mm-hmm. doing Lupin, the laugh, the characterization. It's the same thing with um with the V with the VA for Young Lupin. And mm-hmm. I just remember showing Maria the trailer, and Maria's like, you know, she was just amazed. She's like, that little shit and his little laugh. <laughs> Man, they did a good job. <laughs> Th- this and, uh, is why she's my best friend, folks. <laughs> and I also, I'm also very amused by uh, uh, Yoshito Yasuhara as Lupin the First. I mentioned this uh, off mic before we start recording. It's going to be so entertaining when uh, Lupin the Third versus Cat's Eye comes out next month because he is also the original voice of Toshio in Cat's really? Eye, who is a very different character from Lupin the first a yeah. he's very young B mm-hmm. he's like happy go lucky and like, you know, kind of a goofball. So it's going to be very fun to hear him as a, he's very, <laughs> he's very Zenigata like, mm-hmm. like the yes. very goofy side of Zenigata. He's in mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically the same like cat and mouse trope. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's going to be fun to hear him uh, <laughs> get two cracks at the Lupin franchises, two very, very, very different characters. And uh, obviously, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I, I don't want to know any. I'm not gonna ring any spoilers out of Ian. But I remember that first trailer for Lupine Zero, 
And I remember we get a little glimpse of a red-haired, uh, red-haired girl in it, and I'm, I am very curious about who else may be showing up in this series, or not showing up, or who may be voicing them. So I- I'm just so excited whatever's going to happen. I don't want spoilers, but can we get, like, itty-bitty, itty-bitty, the itty-ass of itty-bitty-bitty hints? <laughs> I'm going to take off my earphones. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said hints, not spoilers! Oh my god! <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't. I really don't want to say anything. But I do want to give okay, you. No. I do want to give you like a tiny crumb. Um, yeah, just. One I mean, tiny I guess crumb. all I can say is I would. I would definitely go back and when you have time, rewatch one through three because, ironically, there's a lot of stuff that they've already put in that they're just you know building up to something. Um, oh. For example, I think at the beginning of episode three, when he's uh, Lupin's talking with Yoko, he mentions that she's making she was making a deal with the Yakuza in episode one, and now she's making a deal with someone from the U.S. Army. And, and so the colonel, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So that yeah, that's that line of dialogue hints at something that is to come. So okay, yeah. okay. all right, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. Nice. That, that, that's a good crumb. It's a kernel of information. Yeah, a kernel <laughs> of information. Hey, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, I want you to know your reaction is the only reason I do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, the, the crumb was better than what we get in the Good Omens fandom. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I could say is this: Thank you, sir. This will feed me for the next week. I, I will treasure it and I will ration it out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. The, the th- thank you for the crumb, and also, man, as we're wrapping up here, man, man, thank you for all the work. Yeah, of course, of course. And I will, I will it, give you one more tiny crumb. Um, Ooh. Lupin Jigen fans will be eating well in episode five. Ah, <laughs> fuck yes! I mean, they're already <laughs> eating well, so oh yeah, we're eating well. We, we've been, but but my hunger is never satiated. Yes, yes, with them, yes. I feel. It will be extra satiated, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is one thing that I wanted to mention that I totally forgot. Um, but one thing that I think is it's it's a technically a part one throwback, but I also think it speaks to the era of the 1960s. Uh, at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. the next episode preview, he says talks about a channel watching on a channel. And when I had to mm-hmm. translate that line, I was like, oh no, like young young very young kids these days. I doubt they're watching the show, but they wouldn't know what he's talking about because they don't watch things on <laughs> Ooh, channels anymore on TV. Yeah, that's true. And so I was like, how how can I translate this in a way that kind of feels campy and throws back to that era of TV? And the first thing that popped in my head was, was uh the old Batman show. Same bat time, same bat channel. And I was like, all right, well, there we go. Same looping time, same looping channel. (laughs) Beautiful. I love it. Just gorgeous. Yep. Yep. (laughs) It's it's great. And like, man, on that note, man, the work you do is incredible. It it is consistently fantastic. It is an honor to have you on the show and, 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 and to get your perspective on it because, man, Thank you. Well, I, all I can say <laughs> is that I'm very happy that you guys are willing to have me because uh, personally speaking, I work on these shows kind of pretty far in advance. So I have to like keep my mouth shut for a long time. And so it's great <laughs> to have like a place where I can just, you know, let it out and, and get that out mm-hmm. of my system. So thank you for having me on. And I'm super happy that you are enjoying my work. And I hope I can continue to work on it as long as I can. You are doing the Got Lord's the work, crossed. my man. You are doing the Lord's work, and I hope you continue doing the Lord's work I will. for <laughs> more series yet to come. Because yes. if we know anything Amen. about the current licensing holds, if more Lupin comes, maybe. But I'm I'm hoping and praying. I'm like sacrificing a goat here, my good sir. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> more Lupin, more Lupin. Come on, come on, little Billy. 
<laughs> should still sacrifice a cow. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> huh? What? Oh, no. But on that note, uh, Ian, where can we find you on social medias? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at Zoid9000. Uh, it's currently a locked account, but please throw me a follow. I go through my follow requests pretty often, and I usually don't reject people unless, unless I don't know, they're super weird or something. But <laughs> yeah, so that's the only place you can find me at the moment. Uh, I'm kind of low-key on social media, but I'm always happy to chat. So throw, hit me up on Twitter unless Twitter blows up in the next month or two. I don't know. Let's hope not. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see because today's developments on Twitter have been fun. Oh, gosh, I haven't even looked today. Well, in that case, uh, maybe I'll re- revitalize my old Tumblr, <laughs> which is also <laughs> under at Zoe9000, I think. So uh, maybe find me there in the distant future. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Natalie, where can we find you? Um, currently on Twitter, having fun on Twitter because today's a fun day on Twitter at Cap C A P L I H E L S I N G. Um, you can also, of course, find me on Instagram. I feel like I'm a little bit more active personally on Instagram because I do a lot of Instagram stories. Recently, it was me trying to inform the children about Karen Carpenter and how she was the goat. Um, <laughs> um, at Captain C A P T A I N l-i-h-e-l-l-s-i-n-g and by the time this is released um my lupon central article will be live oh yeah so and it's actually relevant to the topic at hand not necessarily lupon zero but i do consider myself a bibliophile i love to read i'm an avid reader and i love classic literature including french literature which given that my favorite musical is fan of the opera and my favorite disney film is hunchback of notre dame duh so that article will be on grandpa arson and you can follow that on luponcentral.com so awesome yeah i'm so excited about this you guys (laughs) heck yeah (laughs) uh chris where can we find you uh i'm on twitter and deviantart at dr furball d-r-f-u-r-b-a-l-l i'm most other places such as instagram newgrounds and some other places i can't remember at amazing chris godby just a G-O-D-B-E-Y. I have two webcomics, uh, weirdinacan.com and uh, drawocoward.com. I'm also a staff writer for Lupin Central. I don't have anything coming up in the immediate future, but I'm always trying to come up with something. So, all right, so Emma, where about are you located? Uh, on the Twitter uh, at emm. A, I almost forgot how to spell my own fucking name. <laughs> Ooh, 227 Very active on Twitter. I really hope it doesn't die. Uh, that is my most active social media by far. And also definitely my most unhinged. <laughs> God is it unhinged. And I'm also on Instagram at E-M-W-O-L-F-E-227. Follow me for cosplay and pictures of cute animals. That's really all I have for active social media at this time. 
And Drew, what do you have? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. That's about the only main social media I use, so you'll find me right now, definitely tomorrow, gushing about whatever episode of well, episode four of Lupin Zero, and also apparently sharing a bunch of uh, Benoit Blanc memes, because I'm on a big kick after watching uh, Glass Onion. Glass Onion was great, absolutely. by the way. It's so good. Um, I will watch it soon, but, I promise. But... Uh, <laughs> You can find us, uh, the podcast, on Twitter at LupinPod. That's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. You can find us on Instagram at the same at. And you can find us on our new Tumblr page at Sideburns and Cigarettes. And uh, you can find our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to us on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, feel free to scroll up if you're on Spotify. Or scroll down if you're on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review, wherever you please. Five stars would be cool, but hey, I'm happy with anything. <laughs> so, all right, so the next you'll hear from us on the show is our second half of our recap of part one, covering episodes five through nine. And then after that will be our final uh, round of reviews for Lupin Zero, covering episodes uh, four through six. So we got a lot of good stuff coming up, folks. So uh, stay tuned. And on that note... Have a good night, Blue Pontic Folks. Same sideburns and cigarettes show, same sideburns and cigarettes channel. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and um, from, I guess, from the sideburns cigarettes family to all of you, Happy New Year. Oh, yeah, that's coming, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's in literally two days, Drew. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I've been in the podcast hole, like, editing a almost three hour long episode. Man, oh, time Lord. is nothing to me right now. I'm having to readjust. <laughs> <laughs> well, good night, Lupontic folks. On that note, happy 2020, 20, 2023, y'all. <laughs> oh, God, being back to 2020. Well, it feels like 2020 lives on eternity. <laughs> Bye. Bye.